Welcome to episode 76 of the John Papaloni Show. Today, I'm going to have a guest, Sky Barber. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, John. Absolute pleasure. So I usually like to start off every episode with a brief bio of what do you do now? Mm-hmm. How did you get there? And what was the defining decision to start? Oh, okay. So I work with predominantly online entrepreneurs who are incredibly busy and I create time through putting in systems, support and structure and a whole lot of leadership work to allow them to work on the business, not in it. How I got here was from 50, I've done 15 years in leadership experience, 10 in corporate in the UK And I ran teams of 200, 300 people, 40 million pound turnover companies. And what I kept seeing, though, was a drawing ambition to do my own thing and a real challenge for entrepreneurial people around me who couldn't work out how to scale beyond them. They became the limiting factor. And I was like, wow, I have these skills from years in corporate that actually most people don't have the opportunity to learn. So why don't I go and support freelance business or business owners or freelancers be able to grow a business rather than just be in a hectic job? And that's kind of where it all came from. I mean, there's a lot more detail as to uh, the trigger moments of burnout that put me in hospital and team members that uh, were challenging in corporate and being in the world of retail that I was in and the whole economy changing with a financial crash and then, uh, yeah, dot com, like loads of people going online shopping, lots of changes needed to occur. And I I knew that it was my calling to go and to, to stand on my own two feet and to do my own thing. Right. I can understand the burnout part. I've uh, been through that before more than once, actually. Oh, sorry to hear that. So uh, it's part of life. I mean, even in my current industry, I've done it. Um, it caused me to quit for like 90 days. I mean, I quit and I thought I was done with it. And then um, what ended up happening is when I went to get my own uh, home, and I had a friend of mine help me as, as, as my agent at that time. And I got all charged up, which kind of gave me the energy and boost to come back in. So it was luckily that it was just uh, 90 days. Um, yeah. So I didn't miss much but hey yeah so we all experience that and sometimes you know it's a sign of going all in on the something you know like i mean when you go all in it's easy to burn out but it's a matter of you always have to ask yourself is what i'm doing worth the effort because sometimes you're burning out you're burning out for somebody else and you're not appreciated you know what i mean so Oh, absolutely. I had this amazing, amazing coach in the business at the time. And um, he sat me down and he was like, Sky, you're at this place, you're at this crossroads right now. Like, I can see what you're doing. You can either keep doing all the things, feeling like you need to be strong for everyone, what I call the independence block. Like, I'm going to do this by myself. I was in a very male dominated industry with, I was 27 at the time. So a lot of people a lot older than me, I was trying to prove, prove myself, prove my worth. It was a 24 seven operation. I was there all the time. And um, he said, you can keep going like this, but you think that you're young, you're resilient, you're going to be fine. He's like, I see people like you and this burnout, it changes their lives. It ruins their careers. It changes their health. It loses their families. They could, you know, everything can change. Don't think that that won't happen to you. 
you can make, you have to change this. You can change this, but you need to do something different. And that's when I really learned, okay, I need to stop doing all the things. And I actually need to lead this business and turn things around. And that was a real game changer moment for me. Um, because I, I thought, I, th I never thought I was going to be that person. I didn't think I was going to be in hospital, like, you know, having brain scans, worried about brain aneurysms and stuff. But really, it was just stress. Yeah, I can totally relate. I get that. Now, that's mm -hmm. the thing, right? Like, even when you started on your own, like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure everyone wants to get into business. Everyone that gets into business thinks, okay, I'm going to build something within 30 days. I'm going to be up and running. And they're expecting everything just to flood in. And often what ends up happening six months later, you're still looking at your checking account going, hmm, I wonder yeah. if, my, if my checks are going to clear this month. Yeah. Um, I'm very close. And if I don't spend money, I'll make it and I get to month seven. But if I spend any money, I could be in trouble. What do I do then? Yeah. And then, you know what? There's a moment of takeoff from there, right? Like somewhere along that line, you know, you realize, so, hmm, didn't happen the way I was expecting, but it's happening. Yeah. What was that moment for you? Oh, I've, I feel like I've had this moment quite a few times and, and as in the next kind of level and having yeah. that moment of like, tear, like almost really emotional being like, I bloody did it. So my most recent moment was um, I, my real ambition. So I'm a farmer's wife in England and we have a beautiful 16th century farmhouse and that all comes with my husband's role on the farm and is his business. But complicated with family matters so my I don't pay for like the mortgage essentially of my house I have my own property I know you're interested in property like that's massive part of my wealth building and my freedom wealth plan but um my my proud moment at the moment at, right this recent one was like that okay I can afford to send my two boys to private education which in the UK is like 20,000 pounds a year each um I can afford to 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 take that to take that on and know that my business can sustain that and can pay me that plus all of the fun stuff we do in our lives. And that felt like a real emotional, fuck, I did it. And I also have two years worth of their, two years worth of their fees and a bank account. Like, geez, I'm pleased with that. But that's also helped from my property as well and, and investing early and kind of getting on the ladder. And um, so it's all part of like building wealth outside of the business. Um, but sure. most recently I've had that, like, oh, this is, this is amazing moment, but every single step of the way, like I often talk, I don't know if you can see this green chair behind me, I can, but I remember, um, the first paying client that gave me 50 pounds cash to do an hour's training with her. And I was so nervous about taking that money. Um, but once it started, you know, we all start somewhere. And that first 50 pounds, just like, oh, someone actually wants to pay me for the services that I was just doing for free before. And then it all built. So there's like so many moments through the last three years where it's been like, oh, I can do this. Like, actually, my business can afford me to pay for all the stuff that I wasn't doing before. Or it can it replicate my, my, so that took a couple of years for me to replicate my salary in corporate. And, and I had this. So in the UK, we have this amazing business called um, the John Lewis Partnership. And it's like renowned for the way it looks after staff. People stay there the entire life, you know, the entire careers. So when I told my family, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant and I'm starting my own business, 
they all said I was mad. My dad sat me down and was like, I think this is just completely wrong. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't think you should be starting a business and I don't think you should be having a baby at the same time. And I was like, well, I'm five months pregnant and I've left my job. So this, this advice doesn't really help right now. It's happening. Um, so there was this big moment of my, my husband said to me, like, it doesn't get any better than this guy. Like, why? Why change? I was like, I know I want to parent in a different way with more flexibility and freedom. I know my financial limits are not the 70K of this job. I know I can do better than this. It's going to take time, but I know I can. So when I was able to replicate that, that felt like a huge momentous moment. And I actually have today, I've had two messages from people from the company I used to work for being like, I'm following you. You're so inspiring. Like, can we, can we chat about how you did it? And it's, um, but it, you know, it didn't happen overnight. As you said, it did not happen overnight. And it was a lot of, a lot of learning in the process before being able to really nail exactly what I was doing, exactly how to market, you know, and all of those things. And Hey, I'm still learning now and nothing's perfect, but the, the down moments where you're like, what, what am I doing? Which there are some, definitely the upsides have completely outweighed the downsides. You know, I've been able to be present for my two, I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, and I was able to be present. I was able to take six weeks maternity leave, complete blackout of the business. And we had our most successful period to that point last year. Um, so there's been so many different things, but I think recognizing them and celebrating them is something when we can be really hard on ourselves, it's something that we should all do and encouraged to do. You're right. And that's the thing. One thing I've learned is that you have to celebrate the small things, even if they feel like they're insignificant. Yeah. Because if we're looking for the major payout, it's a long way to get to that major yeah. point. And what ends up happening is if we don't celebrate the small things, by the time we get to the big one, it feels like all this time has passed. And it's like, yeah. And then you start questioning yourself, even though you should be celebrating. Where if you're yeah. celebrating the small wins at a time, you're building up that momentum. And then you can truly appreciate it when it, when you do get there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I'm, I do a lot of accountability with my coaching clients. And on a weekly basis, we start off the week by saying, what are we celebrating for last week? Let's get into that positive frame of mind. Let's see. And all of them go, oh, because yeah. we're so future focused thinking, what's next? What's next? But actually, let's look back and think, Actually, I was really pleased. I took a day off this week. I was really present with my children over the weekend. I didn't do any work and I still made money or whatever it might be. Um, I think it's, you know, those are aims and visions of freedom. You know, I talk about freedom a lot and how we, what freedom means to us. It's probably different for everyone and there's no judgment in that. But let's recognize the small steps we take on a weekly basis to, to create that life for ourselves and try and live in the present a bit more. For sure. I completely agree with everything you just said there. Like, and again, it's those small moments, right? Like, mm. like how many times in life, even for a career, like a, a corporate job, have we missed times with our family mm. and then later on go, you know what? That really wasn't worth it. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with a corporate job. I'm not downing no, it, no, no. but it's not for everybody. And sometimes no. you got to realize what's important for you and go after those, those, um, not qualities, I want to say, but those, um, yeah, we'll say, you know, those things that matter to you, those values, you've got to yeah. chase your value. You know, I always say choose happiness and that's what you got to choose first yeah, and everything that. else, everything else will follow. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. But what I see is, you know, the statistics say in the UK that 60% of small businesses fail within the first three years. You know, no one starts their business thinking they're going to be in that statistic. 
But if we're honest, like the majority will be, the higher percentage will be in that failing statistic. And what I see is that people leave their jobs wanting something with more freedom and flexibility, and yet they just create their another another trap for themselves. And I, and I was there too. Um, one that you know doesn't pay themselves as much, has more hours to work because you've got more responsibility and you care about it way more. And we built this like cage around us where we're doing all of the jobs. And now, you know, I went from, I remember this one moment where I'm like bouncing the baby with my foot, cooking, stirring a dinner, listening to a podcast and trying to respond to an email all at the same time, thinking I was being really productive, um, but not being good at any one of those tasks. And where my speciality comes in is working out like, okay, how do we how do we allow you to do the things that you are truly brilliant at that bring you happiness and joy and light you up? And ultimately, that's where the money is. And then how do we bring in the right support structure and foundations to enable that to happen? So, and I'm sure this is the same in, in your niche. A lot of people looking for that passive income. So with whether that's in my niche, more like digital products in yours in terms of rental properties. And I'm all about diversifying your portfolio as much as possible and having like spreading the risk. But like anything, it's it's relatively rare things. I mean, my rental property is relatively passive. I have someone managing it for me. But there's, you know, you still have to put the work into it to get that to that place and to to sort out all the financials, um, all the setup stuff. And it, it nothing's ever truly completely hands off, in my opinion. Even if you have a digital product, you still need to spend the whole time like growing an audience, marketing, selling to it. So the delivery may be passive. But the um, the growth side of it certainly isn't. And where where I'm really, really passionate or what I'm really, really passionate about is those people who have taken the risk, perceived risk and and gone gone alone, gone it alone and set up their own businesses. Like I want them. I want everyone to be able to create the life and for the reason that they started it for. And usually it's that flexibility and freedom. So let's not trap ourselves and keep ourselves small, which is where the leadership stuff comes in. 100%. And that's why my theory in life, I took it after Grant Cardone. I won't take ownership of this, but you know, everybody says, uh, go big or go mm-hmm. home, right? Yeah. They say, go big or go bigger. <laughs> you know, why would anybody want to go home? <laughs> right? It's like, it's so true. And now that's the thing. Now, here's the difference when you're chasing happiness and you're chasing joy and you're chasing passion, you're willing to do the extra mile to, re- to achieve your mm-hmm. goals. When you're chasing money, you you just want the quick fix and, and you don't yeah. really care how you got there or why you got there. And yeah. I, I think that's part of the reason why 60% fail within the first three years because they're mm-hmm. tired of what they're doing and they're tired of the income they're making from mm-hmm. what they're doing. So they yeah. think this is going to be the quick fix. They're going to get into it and all their friends and all their family and everybody knows they're all going to recommend them. They're all going to come running to them. And all of a sudden they're going to replace their income instantly, just like Instagram, you know, instant gratification. And then mm-hmm. they're going to make all this money and then they're going to be able to hire everybody to do what they don't want to do and everything else. And they're not going to have to show up for work. They're going to go onto the beach with their laptop and they're going to work remotely while all the employees do the work. And then when they get into that business, they're still chasing that money and they realize they don't actually like the work they're doing. No. Right. But they, they, but now they're on their own. They, they're all, you know, they're invested into this and don't know what to do with it. They can't just walk away with all this investment. So they keep doing a different form of treadmill until mm-hmm. they re- realize they're burnt out and can't do the treadmill anymore. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's only there's only two options. So you're like, go big or go home element or go bigger, go bigger. 
it's like to me I, I either say we either need to progress from the doer like into moving into the director space of a business or what's the other choice you stay in doer that's a job when you're not working nothing's happening and at some point you're gonna get tired of it gonna get ill or just you know life's gonna happen and you're gonna stop and you're not gonna be earning and so therefore it's not a business and I'm really passionate about people creating sustainable businesses and which is quite hard when I'm in the personal brand space you know it's it's not it's not easy um, but it's possible it's really possible right and it comes over time with work right like yeah. and now I looked at your website and um I see uh, there's a do-it-yourself option done with you, yeah. uh, the Freedom Business Academy, and yeah. uh, there's obviously one-on-one -on -one directly yeah. work with you. Mm -hmm. what, can you describe the three programs? Yeah. So um, working with me one-to-one -one is like my most, obviously my most hand-holding option. So I'm really, if I just explain, can I go backwards a step at the moment? Full freedom framework. So what I'm all about is creating full freedom for people. So that to me is time, time freedom, financial freedom. So you don't have that like limit. It's about creating clarity of what you're doing. And it's about creating choice. I'm all about the freedom to choose how you live your life. The way we do that is we need these certain practical things. You need to have structure. You need to know what's, take what's in your head, have a system. You need to have other people because if it's just you, it's a job. And we need to make sure that you're playing to yours and your team's strengths. But what I kept seeing was people would know, and I was the same, like I knew the steps on how to do this. And yet putting the things in, hiring that first time, bringing your first employee in or outsourcing for a third time because the last three VAs or bookkeepers you went through didn't work out. Like you become against some challenges. And what I realized was actually we need to work on the internal leadership side of things as well as the practical type of things. So with all my work now, I bring out the practical and the personal side of leadership. So one-to-one, -one, what that looks like is three months where we do things like a leadership activation, which is all around like deep meditative work, as well as very practical implementation base, whereby we bring in the right support team, we restructure the business to work for you, and we get you doing the CEO role that you want to do within three months. The same is true of my academy, but it's done in a group format over six month period in like six week blocks. And we focus on one specific area at a time. So we action that, we put it to bed, we go on to the next thing. And then my done for you is um, a really simple, super great value if I just say so myself at 27 pounds. Um, streamline startup, streamline for success, sorry. And that is all about how do you start streamlining your business? How do you start systemizing it? What do you do when you're a solopreneur or like everything's in your head? Where do you start? And that's what it's all about creating time um, this week. Makes sense. Now, let me ask you something. And, you know, since we're into uh, creating, uh, you know, like you mentioned the solopreneur and it's one of those things. I mean, obviously everybody starts off as the solopreneur and, and a lot of times people try to do everything for themselves. And I think personally from my own experiences and correct me if I'm wrong from yours, that um, that's usually like the solopreneur doing it all by yourself is probably one of the hardest and worst ways to do it. And what I mean by that is the fact that I, I agree, like in the beginning, you're opening up your business. You can't afford to just spend everything on to, on to all kinds of uh, different things. I mean, mm -hmm. if you want to spend into, uh, into gadgets, technology and people, you, you can spend the farm on in, in 30 days, right? Mm -hmm. Like, but 
I think when you're building your business, your priority, your first hire should be your assistant to mm. take off uh, all the, uh, I don't want to say menial work, but all the stuff that uh, doesn't require your attention personally, where someone else mm. can take it on. Um, because not not you don't need to be doing everything, but there's certain skills and certain tasks that has to be you and not mm -hmm. somebody else. Mm -hmm. So why not get you, you should be able to get someone else to do the tasks that you don't have to do so mm -hmm. you can free up more time to build the business with the stuff that you have to be involved with. And I think yeah. that's everyone's first hire. And then I think people should not rush to do it. in you know, like I said, in a way that it's a race. But I think that's the, that should be the person's first goal is how do I get to the level where I can afford to hire my first assistant? Because at yeah. that point in time is where I can scale. Yeah, yeah. So I come at it slightly differently. Uh, everything you're saying, I totally agree with John and the sentiment entirely. I have been involved with businesses whereby we've had, you know, like a million startup budget and therefore we started with 35 people in the team and the business owner was able just to be the CEO from day one. So it can be done like that, but obviously you need a lot more of investment. And that was in a hospitality business. When it comes to working with my clients who are in that place, where I just need time more often than not. And I don't mean to, maybe I shouldn't say, I don't mean to be sexist, but I work with a lot of women in business and I attract a lot of people with young children, just because that's my setup as well. And more often than not, their first hire is in the home than in business. Because their value, it's all about value of time. If you think about a ladder yeah. and highest value task being at the top, lowest value being at the bottom, you want to do the bits that, as you were saying, only you can do. So typically the selling, the delivery of the content or working with clients, whatever it might be in your service, like being present in the business. And then the other things you want to remove. Now, of course, that could that easily could be inbox management. It could be diary management. It could be administrative bookkeeping, sending invoices, like get the money in the door. Let's understand our finance. Finance is so key. But it can also be, let's not procrastinate clean. Let's not do the cleaning at home. And that be a thing for you and your partner to have a conversation or argument about because you're prioritizing your business or just don't make it a reason not to grow your business. Don't make childcare a reason not to grow your business. Give yourself some space and time in your business first and then look. So I often say, look at home. What home support do you need? Then I have people really early on in business or at the start of business saying, they always think, like, what would Sky do? And she's like, I've got a dog walker or I got a cleaner like one, one day a week or a few hours a week just to know that I don't need to do the washing this I can look at that washing basket knowing it's going to be dealt with with someone else. And that one thing I'm putting off in my business because I don't have time, I now have to do because I don't have to do everything myself. So I totally agree with the administrative stuff, but don't just look at business, look holistically across life. Well. Right, right. You took it a step further than I did. I was, uh, I was starting from the business only. I was yeah, yeah, looking yeah. backtrack. So I get, I get that. I totally agree with you on that. I mean, too many times, like, like, and, and even going to the comment about, I know you were saying that you didn't want to be sexist, but I'm going to be honest from my own stats, I'm, I'm going to, you know, go by that. And I'm going to use my coaching business as an example. I'm yeah. promoting my info session that's coming up in a couple of weeks. And what happened is, I mean, and it's all obviously about personal development. Mm -hmm. So what I noticed is the ratio of men to women is 64.1% are women. And it seems every time I see any form of personal development, whether it's a Tony Robbins event, whether, you know, Dean Grazio's, anything, I find that the bulk of the of, of people getting into personal development and growth are women. 
-hmm. And now I don't know if that's because maybe men feel they don't need it. Maybe they have egos. Maybe they're embarrassed. It could be any reason. Mm -hmm. But I find women are more receptive Mm -hmm. to that. And I also find that as a result, women tend to accomplish more with the Mm -hmm. same effort as a man. And and it's not because of capability. I think it's the ability to allow themselves humility to grow. Mm -hmm. And that's just Mm -hmm. something I analyzed and maybe I'm not covering everything and maybe I'm not off about some things, but that's been my analytics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating data and observations. I I tend to have an 85 to 90% female ratio because most of my marketing is to women. I do have men that I work with as well. Um, But this is, this is the thing with my work. I try to make it as inclusive as possible and look at just everything. And and to me, and some, someone just actually asked me tonight, she's like, can you help with like home stuff as well as, uh, as well as business? I'm like, to me, life is life. And we've got to design your role at home and particularly in this online world, which whether you had an online business before COVID, you certainly have done a lot more online since COVID. <laughs> We've got this we work from home, like the whole world, particularly in the last two years, has collided and kind of blended together. And so the, the way you design your role at home and in business is so important. And let's do the stuff you want to do. If that is the ironing, because you're passionate about it and it's your way to just forget about everything else and relax, good for you. It's certainly not for me. No judgment. You can do what the heck you want. But the point is, I bring in, I'm all about you choosing, you actively having a choice in how and what you do within your business and it allowing you the freedom and flexibility of why the heck you started this in the first place. For sure. Now, even bringing up the whole COVID thing with with this lockdown and everything, like without getting into the politics of it, um, a lot lot of times, you know, people are saying, oh, COVID, you know, brought the work from home and, you know, it's changed us. And, you know, like, and some people are going back to work and, you know, they're all that kind of stuff. And I think Mm -hmm. the reality is, which I don't think COVID brought the work from home to life in the way that we were already heading this way. I think mm-hmm. COVID just sped up technology and it sped up yeah. our future. Um, so I think maybe even as uh, much as 10 years, it brought, yeah. ten, wow. you know, I think it wiped away 10 years of old tradition and made it uh, do whatever it is today. I think yeah. this is our new future and I don't think it's defined yet because it's still a work in progress, but definitely the wheel has started. It, it broke cultural norms, didn't it? The way things had been done before, we were suddenly had to do it a different way. And so instead of having to go through years and years of bureaucracy and decision making and stuff, like some, we just had to go into reactive, let's, we've got to make this work, sink or swim. In my personal business, that had quite a, COVID had quite a big effect, which you wouldn't necessarily think it would, being an online international coach. But I had a lot of offline clients in the service-based industry. I was a director of a hospitality business that we ended up selling in COVID, which was a miracle, um, but went really, really, really well. And we, so we're thrilled about that, but I, I, we had to like make lots of difficult decisions. And what it ended up me doing at the the point of when we went into that very first lockdown was I had to wipe off 10,000, 10 or 12,000 pounds worth of invoices that were owed to me because it just didn't it just didn't feel right with what was going on in the world and then I pivoted and this is when I first brought out my first digital product because whilst I always wanted some sort of passive and again I say it in inverted commas 
because it doesn't just mean easy, like passive product. I always wanted that. Like so many things were blocking that freedom and I call them the freedom blocks. So for me at this point, it was my critical block coming up. Nothing was ever good enough. It was not perfect. There was, you know, I didn't have the right, the right thing that was going to be a digital product. And then all of a sudden my back was against the wall and, and I was working with people, predominantly helping them hire teams, outsource and grow. We just hit a global pandemic. Everyone was shrinking. Everyone was talking about recession. No one wanted to talk about team and expansion at that point. Um, and what I did was I jumped on the, everyone turned their marketing budgets down. I put mine up. I went, I did like Facebook advertising for the very first or second time. And I brought out the digital product. And within weeks, we turned a 27 pound product into 50K um, through, you know, the whole funnel, not just on the front end, but we were making like 1.2 return on the front end of that funnel, which was, I can't do that now. <laughs> Everyone's turned their marketing out back on. But I really saw it as an opportunity, reposition, remessage what I did because I knew I had value within a company, within to help companies, but not in the way I was messaging it before. And it forced me to bring out something that, to be honest, I had just been so wanting to, to be perfect and critical of myself. I hadn't done it. So, and I saw that a lot with my clients that first hit the uh, rabbit in headlights moment, but then have been able to like, massively do brilliant things off the back of what has been, you know, a devastating time for so many. And I appreciate that's not possible for everyone. And, you know, my rental property, my students went home, so I, I didn't get my full rent there. <laughs> that wasn't great, but, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, and I think my, I, I feel grateful every day for the, for the situation I'm in. Right. Which makes total sense. I get that. I mean, like gratitude is the first step to happiness mm. and like, Going to what you're saying, even with everything that happened, the pandemic, I think everyone had similar experiences and not necessarily the same outcome, but yeah. similar like worries, similar, you know, life changing paths. And I'll give you an yeah. example. Like when we first hit our lockdown, it um, it didn't even seem like it was a big lockdown. Like the way it was talked about, ah, it's just a couple of weeks. So it's like a vacation. You know what I mean? Like, and it didn't take long to realize this is going to be more than two weeks. Um, but it's like, it's, and it's one of those things. Now, um, I was in between brokerages and what I mean is I was at my old brokerage mm -hmm. and my renewal was coming up and I'm like, you know what? I, I go for two weeks. I'm not worried about it. I go, no big deal. But then I started thinking about this. What if this goes on? I go, what if this mm -hmm. goes on the whole year? And I'm thinking, you know what? I started thinking if we go with the whole year and, we, and, we, and there's no sales because we're not going from home to home anymore. Now we're showing everything through video. And this is so new. I don't think anybody's going to react well to this. At least yeah. it's going to take a very long time. Like, And even clients were bailing on me. They were like, you know what? I'm not buying a home through video. Let me know when we're back to normal. Right? It was one of those things. So I started getting, you know, being a little bit panicked. Now, the brand I was in, I won't bring it up. Um, but um, the brand I was with was very high on the front end in terms mm -hmm. of fees. Right. And they were very high. And so it was, I'm thinking I'm renewing for another 12,000 bucks. And this is whether I make a sale or not. So I'm thinking, you know what? I don't know if I want to do that because I don't know how long we're going to be here. What if I go a whole year with nothing? I'm going to write a check for 12,000 bucks with zero sales. I don't know what's going to happen. So I had an opportunity. I, I had a conversation with someone from my old brokerage who is a recruiter there. And he says, Hey, are you happy with XYZ? And I'm like, well, you know, matter of the fact, you called me at the right time. I'm looking around. So I had an amazing deal and they compensated for COVID. Like they did something for all their agents, right? So just in case, 
Um, so I thought the deal was too good to say no. I went right back yeah. to my original brokerage and thinking that, you know, we're going to be down and out and not knowing for how long. Well, our down and out was less than a month because at that, that point in time, people started going back to, in, in, to uh, in-person showings again. And what ends up what ended up happening is that even though we were shut down for three and a half months for the first one, mm-hmm. we were only shut down like in terms of no showings for the first three weeks or something silly like that. Mm-hmm. And then and then we started going back to in person. So when we went back to in person, put it this way, twenty twenty was my best year ever. Wow. So I went from panic to my best year ever in that business. Yeah. Who would have thought? Right, like yeah, and, yeah, and, and me too. New. Yeah, me me too. It is, yeah, it's crazy. Well, the in the the buying market in the UK is just like in a massive increase. It's like scary. Everyone wanting to come out of London and you know buy properties with bigger gardens and not caring about is it close to a train station to commute and caring about like where's the next park and is it got a village shop that kind of stuff being important everyone's just rearranged their priorities and, and i don't see that changing i don't see that changing right now maybe it will we'll go back to how it was but um yeah it's and being on a farm and stuff when it comes to gratitude like we were just so lucky like we had space and animals and things to entertain my children and you know luckily very healthy and happy but um i know that wasn't the same for everyone and it's been a very 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 difficult few years for a lot of people and so when i share like success stories i feel a tiny bit like guilty but i also want it to bring hope to people that we can face any challenge and it, it can be and this is the powerful thing about having your own business and being the leader of your own business like you're in control if you don't like something change it it's yeah. your choice and i find that empowering and and exciting I do as well. And again, that goes with passion, right? If you're doing something you love, you'll find that you'll find the challenges like everyone else does. Everyone finds challenges. The difference between successful people and uh, unsuccessful people is that successful people will go through the challenges anyways. <laughs> um, it's really that simple now. And that, that's the thing, right? Like everyone goes through the same emotions a lot of times. Like like earlier in one of your stories, you were describing imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. right? Like, but again, it didn't stop you. You kept moving forward. Mm-hmm which is important. Mm. I mean, Oh, there are, there are major blips along the way. I've done a lot of work on that, but uh, yeah. And then that's when I sort of see these four and they are linked to imposter syndrome, but I bring it up in a different way because it's specifically these blocks, like keep you wanting, like keep, they keep you wanting to do everything because they want to keep you safe. And they are like the critical block I've talked about, like wanting everything to be like perfect and everything's got to be right. Then there's the independence block, which is like you've got to do things for yourself and be strong and be the one that's like resilient. You've got the responsibility block where everyone else's needs become before your own. And then you've got the busy block where we just keep busy, busy, busy. You know, the the imagery of me like bouncing the baby and like doing five different things at the same time, just staying busy, not actually focusing what's really going on and allowing myself permission to like slow down. Um, that's the busy block. And then when, when I, what I realized with my clients is once I started recognizing which block was holding them back, there was a specific practical step that they couldn't put in place because this block was getting in the way. So we worked on the, this is when I brought out some of the NLP and more coaching type work. Um, and when we started like doing their leadership activations, they were able then to put the practical thing in place, which allowed them to scale and grow without having to just work harder. 
because there's only so many hours in the day and we can only do so many things. Doesn't matter how long the to-do list is, we don't set ourselves up for success. It's not going to work. Right. You're right. Absolutely right. Now this, you've got brought up two things in my head that I want to ask you, but I'm going to go through one thing first. Um, one thing is going even with the whole pandemic and everything that happened and how life changed. One thing I noticed is like, I'm not sure if it's the same where you are, but there's a major uh, work shortage going on where I am. Yeah. Where, um, and, and but I find it, I mean, pardon me for saying it this way, but I find the struggles are coming in uh, low paying jobs. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times people will say, oh, you know, they're just collecting from the government. They don't want to go to work. And, and it's easy to pass judgment that way. But I don't think that's the case. I mean, sure, there's going to always be some people that abuse something, right? It doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of times what happened is, if you notice, there's a lot more online orders. There's a lot more online business. And I think more and more people who used to think, one of these days I'm going to do this, one of these days I'm going to do that, took the time of the shutdown to say, you know what? There's no better time to do it because I'm at home and I'm not doing anything anyways. So I have nothing to lose. Let me give it a try. Now, yeah. there's going to be some people that are pushing forward, even though they're not succeeding, but there's going to be some people that have succeeded and go, wow, I don't know why I didn't do this before. And then what ends up happening is everything opens up and says, come back to work. And they're looking at what they're doing. I'm saying, yeah. my business is building. I'm already making the same as I would going to work for you, but I'm doing what I want. Why would I go back? Yeah. 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 So I know, I don't know any of the statistics in terms of the types of jobs, but I can talk from what I do know, which is on, I mean, we're in the UK, so we've just gone through Brexit as well as um, COVID, which has meant whole new changes to our immigration and who can come in and who can get jobs and who can get visas. So it's difficult, I think, in this country to see the impact of either one in isolation because it's blurred together. That is having a direct impact on my family because we are pig farmers. And the one of the biggest industries to be hit with staff shortages in the farming industry is abattoirs. So where the pigs go and get slaughtered. It's a bit depressing talking about this, but um, um, yeah. So our um, what has happened is our, our supermarket contract has gone back on. So instead of saying, right, we'll take 400 animals a week, they're like, oh, sorry, this week we can take half of that. Okay, so when are you going to get the other 200? No, we're not. Okay, so A, we don't get the cash for that. And B, we've got 200 extra animals to look after, which is obviously at the time that fuel's never been higher, feed costs have never been higher. And so the knock-on effect has been like into the millions in just our one business. And it's putting lots of people out of business. I can also talk from a hospitality point of view, from my background there, I know like skilled chefs are real. There's a real shortage of like skilled chefs. So I don't think it is all just low paying jobs i think there are some certain skills yes. whereby you know people have had time on the weekends and their evenings and seen their children and suddenly gone or tried a different different role because they were freelancers and they couldn't get any government support in the uk and um suddenly realized i don't want to go back to being a chef doing 90 hour weeks like that's not the lifestyle i want i think people have taken a rain check on what's important to them if they've had the luxury to do so and the financial, you know, the financial support to do so, I suppose. Um, but in terms of skill, in terms of labor shortage, absolutely. We went from a um, a place where as an employer during the pandemic, like there were so many people, talented people who were free. 
that needed or wanted work or needed work. And so when you went up, a lot of my clients were growing and expanding and we needed a great team. I was getting amazing applicants. I don't really do a huge amount of hiring, but on this occasion I was. And then now it's gone the other way around where you're having so few applications for jobs. But I always think, you know, I'm yet to find not find a, a person for a job because I work with some amazing small businesses that when you can position the role in a certain way, and you can have great values and care about people and want people to grow. And this goes back to what you're saying in the beginning about that growth mindset and personal development. If you can set up your business to be like that as well, the right people want to come work for you. I'm a real believer in that. Yeah, you're right. And that's the thing, right? It's it's not just about finding people, but it's about finding the right person yeah. or having the right mindset or having the yeah. right direction. Now, not, not everybody sees things the same. And not everybody wants to go on the same path. And sometimes the path you're on today is not the path you want to be on tomorrow. Yeah. So I believe that, you know, when working with somebody, you have to be on the same page. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that's, that's the thing. I think everything has an expiration date. And what I mean by that is that if you're working with somebody today and it's working for you to, you know, working well for you today and your paths change. Sometimes, a lot of times, people hang on because of whatever, maybe some form of emotion, maybe sentimental, yeah, yeah. guilt, yeah. you know what I mean, whatever. But I don't think that's the right way to do it. When you realize your time is up, your time is up, you're not doing a person a favor because what ends up happening is you're doing things differently. You're starting to build resentment, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. or you're starting to feel, you know, you're bringing yourself down like emotionally yeah. because you're doing this something you don't really want to do anymore, but you're doing yeah. it for that emotion. So yeah, it's a I think responsibility block. So it's you feeling so responsible for someone else and their needs for coming before you. And I see people hang on to the staff too long for that reason, or or not be able to delegate effectively for that reason. There's so many, there's so many things, and it's it's really key. It's a great point. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, right? So it's always realize it's self-realization. That's mm. the way I'm looking at it. And, and I think that's important. And that, and that's the other thing, right? Like it's like goals change and, and, and as goals change, you, you might have to pivot your direction too. Mm -hmm. So we all have that. Um, what I was going to say is like, in terms of, we all have that moment of change and struggle. What was your, like when you started your business and you got into it, what was your biggest struggle? What was my biggest struggle? So it took me three years to go from I want to start a business to actually starting it because my biggest struggle was finding like the right idea and realizing that there was never going to be a right idea. And that came down to the fact of like fear of failure and wanting things to be 100% like in control and being so overcritical of myself. And that plays out quite a bit still in decision making I make in my business. So that was probably the biggest challenge I had to come overcome before I even properly started. But then as I started, it was then recognizing the value of my work and charging like money blocks. Definitely. That's something I've had to work on a lot. Right. Now, what was your biggest... Um... Like, obviously, every business has to deal with objection handling, right? Because people, I, like I said before, people get emotional, they get worried, right? Now, what was your biggest object? Like, when dealing with clients or dealing with new potential client, what would be your biggest, uh, you know, objection handling that you find? Uh, so, for me, 
look, the way I look at, I don't push anyone over the line. And I know that's not what you're saying. But in terms of like, I say on sales calls, like I'm terrible at sales calls. This isn't a sales call. This is just a conversation. Like, let's see if we're a good fit together and whether I think I can honestly help you. And if I can't hand on hand on heart, say that I'm the right person for you, then this isn't going to go any further and, and vice versa. So when it comes to them wor worried about working together, they've already worked out like they want to work with me, but their biggest thing is usually time because they're coming to me because they don't have the time. And so they're worried about not the time commitment to our sessions, but the time for implementation. And I'm all about, and I say to them, like, you have to stay in the room. I can only help you if you show up. I need you. You can take a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You need to play your part. And so they get really nervous about, well, what does that part mean? And the way I kind of handle that is just being really clear about setting expectations. Like, this is what I need from you. This is what you'll get from me. But this is how I need you to be like, and if you can't commit to showing up on a weekly call, if you can't commit to putting two hours a week into X, Y, and Z tasks that I'm going to give you or communicating with me on a, twice a week, then this isn't going to work because I can't work with nothing. And I find that is really helpful for someone to say, I got to come back to you because it's still not realistic or more often than not, they're like, well, I have to do this because you're going to help me make time. And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're going to make you at least five hours in the first few weeks. Oh, and then you can use that time to work on, on this stuff. And then from that, we'll make you more time. Um, but I think that's probably the biggest objection I personally have. Oh, so, that's, that's great. Yeah, um, to be respectful of your time, I'm going to ask you uh, one more question. I'm going to have what I call a little bit of a lightning round. Okay. Um, for someone who's on the fence and is unsure, um, they like the idea of being on their own. They have an idea uh, of what they want to do, but they're scared, right? And they're not yeah. sure. What would you advise them? Like, what would you tell them on how to start or not start? So I'm a big believer in not just turning the tap off. So you, you're doing something right now, I'm assuming, to earn income. Don't just stop that. You've got this idea. What I want you to do is... Think of what is the quickest, simplest, easiest way I can test this out. So let me give you an example. I was in corporate. I knew hospitality. I knew retail. I had this whole idea of like hosting events and wanting a hotel. Obviously, that takes a huge amount of investment. So like, what can I do right now to test whether I actually like this business model and I want to do this job? So I have this farmhouse. I put it on Airbnb. I put a £10 website on. And we did British country stays, the Oxfordshire, the Oxford farmhouse. And I upsold people from Airbnb into packages whereby they would come, we'd do tours, I'd do farm stuff, I'd cook them British dinners, I'd host Americans and Chinese, and it was really fun for about two months. And then I realized this was great money. What was 200 pounds a night was now two grand a night. I can make money. I've given myself confidence, but I do not enjoy this this business model, this is not good for me. So if I'd gone and left my job and spent all this money, I would have been screwed. So my biggest, biggest thing to clients is how can you test this? What's the easiest, simplest, quickest way to test an element of this and validate it's A, what you want to do and B, it's what people will pay for. Because an idea is easy. The idea part, you were going to have those all day long. Implementing the idea is a whole different story. So don't put the pressure on of like quitting the job and spending all this money. Like just test something simply. Makes sense. Good. Great answer, actually. I like that. Good. So 
in terms of our lightning round, it's just going to be a few questions of likes, dislikes, and see how it goes. Okay. Um, like, for example, uh, not sure if you're a book reader, but if you are, what would be your favorite book and why? Oh, I love The Big Leap by Guy Hendrick. Guy Hendricks. And I, I love that because it made me see where I was sabotaging my own success. And like, I'd, I'd have some, I'd be close to something big and then I would make something bad happen. And I always thought it's a sign I'm not supposed to do it when really he helped me reframe that saying, it's a sign you're supposed to do it. And that reframe has allowed me to take bigger, bolder action. Uh, nice. Favorite uh, podcast. Oh, I'm loving the moment oh so many i love denise stuffield thomas chill and prosper she inspired me to start this business i used to long commute listen to her every day and thought one day i'm gonna have a business like hers awesome um favorite movie james bond is that a bit british oh, that's a good one that's a good one <laughs> <laughs> um and <laughs> favorite food Mexican. I love Mexican food. Enchiladas. I worked in a Mexican when I was at uni and like they were it's really authentic, gorgeous Mexican food, not this chain stuff. And it was unbelievable. They didn't really pay me any money to work there, but we got amazing food. Hey, sometimes that's important. <laughs> that is awesome. I want to say thank you very much for being on the podcast. It was so great. Welcome. You're so welcome. It's lovely to meet you, John. And if there's anything I can do to support, then please let me know. And anyone listening to this and would love to connect, do come and find me on Instagram or Facebook. Absolutely. Um, What's your handle? I'm going to put it in the notes uh, after. But So sky underscore barber is my Instagram. And then um, just add, come and add me as a personal friend on Facebook. I think I've still got spaces. And if anyone's interested in the any of those blocks I was talking about, I do have a quiz as well, which is totally free. If anyone would like to have that, I could give you the link if you're happy. Sounds great. Thank you very much. You're so welcome.